called the uh, pursuit. On the ground. The initial charge is 107. Dude, I already see it, bro. Give me your hand. He's gonna crack. Get go of it. How many of you guys like live PD? Watch it. See you know, Some of you guys? Okay. I don't have cable, but whenever I'm at a hotel room, uh, we're traveling, uh, we end up watching that. Uh, I thought that would be kind of a fitting um, sermon bump, as we call that, for uh, law enforcement uh, appreciation. So, um, first of all, happy early 4th of July. So that's coming up this week. I don't know if you know that. And I think the Fremont... Um, campus band is going to be in Clyde tonight, right? Is that, am I got that right? Eight o'clock, something like that. So if you want to run down to Clyde um, and, and listen to them, they're going to be doing some music down there for the Clyde Fair that's going on. And um, so looking forward to that. Uh, so law enforcement um, appreciation, first time we've ever done that. And in our situation, a little bit different. The Fremont campus, a little larger church, actually has some police officers who attend the church, and it's kind of a way of thanking them. Um, and I, I was had the opportunity, and I'm not one who likes to embarrass people, so I'm not going to do that, but I had the opportunity to meet uh, one of our Lake Township police officers this morning, and I, and I gave him our, um, our thank you card for him. And I don't know if we missed anybody else. I don't see anybody else that's a police officer. We had some cards ready for you. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. How many of you people know a police officer that is in, that you know them? We'll just make it real general. Do you know a police officer? Okay, there's cards out. At the, yeah, yeah, here you go. There you go, Paul. Paul's working this. Put your hand up, and, and Paul's going to give you one of these cards. Okay? So do you, do you guys all know the same guy? Because it might be a little bit. It would be good for him, but I just want to double check, right? Because you just never know. You might. So put your hand back up, and let Paul give you a card, and I'm going to challenge you. I would like for you, this week, to give him this thank you card, okay? And, and there's a little extra little something-something in there for them, and it's not chocolate, though we could give him chocolate like we do for our first-time attenders. It might melt. Um, but anyways, I want you guys to do that. This is my card, and I'm going to drive around this week, and as I'm driving around, as I see a police officer, I'm going to hand this to them. I'm going to do it as gently as I can so he doesn't... Somebody was saying, hey, get out of a speeding ticket free. You know, they were saying... I'm just saying what people are saying. So, um, if you don't know a police officer, I want all these cards gone this morning. Okay, so if you don't, if you don't know one, you know personally, uh, feel free to grab one on your way out, and they'll be at the information table. And as you're driving around, you're shopping, um, you know, grabbing coffee or whatever. When you see a police officer, just hand the card to him. Say, hey, thank you for your service, and then. Walk away. Pay for his meal also, um, <laughs> but if you'd like, but the card is sufficient. So uh, we wanted to thank our police officers and, and what they do. Um, how many of you guys are disturbed by what's going on in our culture today, in our politics and culture? How many of you guys watch the news, read about it, and you're just kind of heart sick, right? It's just like, what in the world is going on with our country? It's not the country that I, at least I don't, 
it might be, maybe it's just more known, but it's not the country that I remember growing up. You know, and I lived outside of Chicago. Um, and, you know, speaking of Chicago, that's, that's a mess. And it's like, um, you know, what the Bible even talks about this, but, you know, what was right in our minds is now wrong, and what used to be wrong is now right. And it's just so much turmoil. In fact, one of the reasons why we felt like it was a need for us to appreciate our law enforcement personnel is because they're caught in that. They're caught in the middle between having to do what the government says we should be doing and what everybody else is trying to get the government to do. And there's riots and there's, you know, protests going on and our law enforcement are caught in the middle of that. And we just felt like, man, if we could do something to just say thanks for that, we wanted to do that. And that's why I'm challenging you to take one of those cards and take them with you this week and, and thank a police officer for their, the work that they do because it's, it's huge um, in taking care of us and protecting us. And we're not always the most uh, fun people to take care of, right? So not that I've ever been pulled over. I'm just saying. Um, I can tell you some stories. I'm not going to. Um, but here's what I want to do this morning. As we look at this law enforcement appreciation uh, what I want to do this morning is I want to give us as Christians what I believe and, and what Scripture to me clearly teaches, especially out of Romans 13. You can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 13. That's page um, 1137 if you're going to use the Pew Bible in front of you. But I want to give us as Christians what is our response to be? When we're, we're living in this world, we're rubbing elbows with people, we're seeing what's going on in our country we're, in some cases, crushed with how it's going and, and where it's going, and, and we see all the stuff on TV, we see what's going on in politics. What is our response to that to be? How, we, how are we supposed to react to it? And as Christians, sometimes we respond incorrectly. We don't help. <laughs> and what I'm trying to get us to do as Grace Point Church and the severe influence that we have, that we would respond correctly, that we would be a help to our culture, to our society, to our communities. And let me just give you a little background here. Uh, the backstory to Romans 13, it's a little ways into Paul's letter to the Roman Christians, the Christians living in Rome. And the way Paul writes a letter, uh, oftentimes, he'll start out with talking about some, you know, theological, doctrinal teaching, some theoretical stuff, kind of, you know, stuff up here. You know, you got to think about, you got to chew on for a while, and you kind of really come to grasp with what he's talking about and what that means. It's spiritual stuff, and it's, you know, maybe even sometimes heady stuff. And sometimes for us, we may go, yeah, it's just a little too deep, Pastor. We, can we move on? I almost like the genealogies right now, if you don't mind. So, like in chapters 1 through 3, he talks about man's sin and separation from God, that that man is, he uses the word total depravity, that we are, we are filled with sin. We can't do anything good in and of ourselves. We don't even seek after God left to ourselves. And so because of our sin and because God is holy and righteous, um, we're separated from him. And if, without Christ in our lives doing what he does, we'll go into eternity separated, into a place uh, that was designed for Satan and his demons, a place hell, as we've talked about quite a bit. Chapters 4 through 8 is God's fix. 
So Paul starts telling, hey, listen, that's man's situation. This is how we are, in and of ourselves, left to ourselves. We can't be good. We can't do good enough. We can't get God's approval. We can't do anything. But that God had a fix, and it's represented by the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, that he, he died on the cross, and that he's God, and because as God, he's all-powerful, he's infinite. And, and so he's able to die an eternal death in our place. So the death that we would normally die, an eternal death in hell, Jesus Christ did on our behalf. And so he talks about that in chapters 4 through 8, God's fix. Then Paul, he kind of takes a little tangent in 9 through 11. He's going to say, well, you know, some people have been wondering about what's God doing with Israel. And so he takes a little side, you know, tangent. Not that I have ever take a tangent when I'm teaching, right? So um, Paul takes a tangent, talks about Israel a little bit. And in chapters 12 through 16, he takes the rest of his letter to explain, hey, listen, if you're a person who has placed their faith in Christ, if you're a person who's realized I'm separated from God and my only fix for that is for me to turn to God and say, forgive me of my sins, and I'm trusting that when Jesus died on the cross for my sins, uh, he, he did that to clear me out, to, to take my sin away. If we're putting our faith in that, our lives change. Our purpose for living changes. The reason why we get up in the morning changes. Because now the Bible says that we're a child of God. God declares us not guilty for our sin, past, present, and future. He puts his Holy Spirit into us, who is to empower us to live a life that makes God look good to others in order to share Christ with people. And then he takes us to heaven one day. The Holy Spirit is our guarantee. But it should change the way we live our lives. Our purpose for living changes. And if there's ever a message that you guys can get from what Scripture is teaching, from what I understand Scripture is teaching, that's the, that's the message. If you've come to Christ, whatever point in your life, and you don't get that your life should change, not to get salvation, but because you have salvation. If you're not getting that your purpose should change, the way you do marriage should change, the way you raise your kids should change, the way you respond to your boss should change, the way you respond to your coworkers should change, the way you view your neighbor should, everything should change from what it was to what God wants it to be for the sake of the gospel. In chapter 12, when Paul makes this transition, we talked about this last week, that our lives become a living sacrifice. The sacrifice part is I'm not going to do life my way anymore. I'm not going to do life for my dreams and my desires. I'm going to do it for God's dreams and for God's desires. Chapter 13, it's interesting. that So chapter 12 is kind of this general thing about how we should relate to people, um, generally speaking, because we're being a sacrifice Christ. And then in chapter 13, Paul flows right into this government thing. So God even cares about how we respond to the government. And that's what we want to talk about today. What's our, what's our response to the government? And what's our response to life? So three things we're going to look at. One is Christians need to respect government and if I can just put a parenthesis, not worship it. Christians need to love people, and Christians need to live for the gospel. Those are the three things we're going to look at today in Romans 13. 
So let me go ahead and uh, set the stage here. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. And speaking to this issue of the government, Christians' response to government. It says this. So again, we believe Paul is inspired by God. God's Holy Spirit's giving Paul this information. This is what God wants us to do. He says, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. In other words, if, if you disobey the law, you're going to you know, potentially pay for it, you know, if you get caught, you know, right? For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. And we've all experienced this, right? Cruising down 280 or 75, we've got the cruise control set, right? And we're just blitzing. See a cop sitting in the center lane or up on the, you know, somewhere. If you have a tendency to go a little over the speed limit, what's your reaction? Break. Got it. Got it. Right? But if you're going the speed limit, what's up, man? I got, I, got, I, got, I got no problem, right? Right? Am I right? You laugh, but you know. Okay, so, so we don't have any fear, right? I, you know, I see a cop. I don't usually get too concerned. There's times where I pump my brakes. I have to be, you know, I'll be honest with you. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you not want to have, do you not want to have fear for authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. You know, not that the cop's going to go, hey, good job, Harold, you're going to speed limit. You know, not going to come out and do that, but I think we understand. For it is a minister of God to you for good. You notice the word there, minister of God. That word is the same Greek word, like for those of us who are on Thursday nights coming to Thursday night Bible study, we're talking about the, you know, a deacon in a church and what a deacon is supposed to do. Same word. Interesting, isn't it? All right. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also because for conscience sake. Again, the whole, you know, we get that. Driving down the road, for our own conscience sake, let's obey the law. For because of this, you also pay taxes, you know, Grudgingly, but we do, right? For rulers are servants of God. And that's a, that word servant there is different. It's actually a, it talks about a public servant. Okay, so much for that message. Okay. <laughs> and, yeah. And, end of service. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers, hey, I'm fine without lights on because I am just dying up here. I'm sweating up a storm. I'm not sure why these guys are doing this to me. Um, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all who's due them. Tax to whom taxes due. Custom to whom custom is due. And that, that's, for us, it would be like federal tax, and then custom would be like local tax, basically. Um, sales tax, you know, something like that. Fear to whom fear, which is respect. Honor to whom honor. So what's God having Paul say to us here? Well, first of all, he uses the word be in subjection. This is the word submit. This is the same word that we see throughout the New Testament especially. 
when it talks about the fact that we are to submit to Christ. Hey, just leave it. I like this better anyways. When we're to submit to Christ. When we've given our life to Christ, we willingly come under his authority. That's what the word submit means. It's the same word that once you do that then, husbands willingly come under the authority of Christ and sacrificially love your wives. It's the same word as when we willingly come under Christ's authority, wives respect your husbands. Parents, train your children upright in the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. It has all that kind of thing. When we're at work, do our job as to the Lord. We kind of talked about that a little bit last week. Same word. So when we give our lives to Christ, then we look at government differently. And where we may want to focus in on government and make government a big part of our lives, you know, I think about politically and that type of thing, we are to willingly come under the authority of our government and our government leaders. The hands and feet of government are police officers, right? And so that's the, usually the first interaction we might have with one of our government officials is a police officer. And so we come under their authority, and so we respond to them appropriately. And if we do speed and we get a ticket, we got to accept it. We don't give the police a hard time about it. They're doing their job, right? And it goes on and on, when it, especially as we think about police officers. Those who don't, because they're under the authority of God, disobey God when they don't obey government. Interesting. Now, this is everyone, by the way. I'm just talking to us as Christians. It says, Scripture says everyone is this way. So Christians are to obey government. Why? Because God is the one who sets up government. Read throughout Scripture. Um, in the Old Testament, for instance, you know, God set up and took down Jewish kings. God was actively involved with the pharaohs of Egypt. Nebuchadnezzar was put up by God and was taken down, a Gentile king. Artaxerxes, I only use that word because I want to prove to you I can actually pronounce it. Artaxerxes. You're not very impressed, but okay. So, whether it's the Old Testament, New Testament, today, or in our future, God is the one who is allowing governments to rise up, and the one who is allowing governments to no longer be in power. In fact, Job says this in the Old Testament. says he, talking about God, makes the nations great, then he destroys them. He enlarges the nations, then leads them away. So you think about our government today, and we talked about this last week a little bit. This fits perfectly into Ecclesiastes, which we just came out of. Fool's gold, you know? Um, you think about our government, previous eight years, especially, you know, I've heard a lot of Christians, including myself, mad, upset, can't believe the government, president this, president that, blah, blah, blah. All worked up emotionally, angry, using titles for the president that may not be accurate. Okay. Now we've shifted. And we've got President Trump, and same thing's happening. 
I don't hear as many Christians being upset with it. I mean, honestly, there are some. I know some who are upset, but I don't hear as many. I hear more people, more Christians, willing to offer up a prayer request and Bible study for President Trump than the previous president, by the way. Kind of interesting, okay? Um, and honestly, I'm not thinking about our church on Thursday night. There's another church that I've dealt with in the past that it was interesting to see. It was sad to see. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. Third point is this. So I've got three points on this one and a couple questions. Third point is this. Their purpose is to punish tax, uh, lawbreakers. So again, one reason why we're honoring police officers is for that, is for that reason. Some governments do this well. Some governments don't do this well. But that doesn't determine whether we, as Christians, respond appropriately and obey the government. So for us, we, just, we need to pay our taxes, pay our local taxes, respect our God's, the authority God has given them, and give them honor and fear. We're going to learn next week as we go into our new series called Blueprint and talking about how God wants the church structured. Um, we're going to find out that one of our responsibilities is that we need to be praying for those in authority. We need to be praying ultimately they would come to Christ. You know, so pick the president that you liked least. How often did you pray for him? Pick the one you liked most. How often did we pray for him? It's, again, you guys, when we've put our faith in Christ, it changes everything. It changes, it should be changing our perspective on everything. So, some questions for you. Jesus lived under two governmental authorities, Jewish religious authority, which played out in some cultural things, the way he had to live, Roman authority. Paul lived under... Roman authority, actually all of them did, in the first century, right? Think about that government as, as best you can. Think about what kind of government that was. I'll tell you one thing. It didn't have any real love for Christianity, right? I mean, the Jewish authorities were the ones who brought Jesus to the Roman authorities, and together they went ahead and hung him. And then anybody who followed Christ, they were being persecuted. But God still says, Paul, write this down. Paul, you yourself, obey your government. Isn't that shocking? Because in that, God also said, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Back then, they were being put in prison for that. They were being put to death for the fact that they're telling you, hey, the God of the universe loves you so much that he died on the cross, to save you from your sins, you get a relationship with God, you go to heaven one day. And they're being thrown in prison for that. There was a lot of rumors going around, by the way, about Christians back then. That they were cannibals. That they were sacrificing children. There's a lot of, I mean, read it up. There's, there's a bunch of rumors going around about Christians. And yet, God was saying, no, obey. And even if you're obeying, me put you in prison 
Don't change your purpose for why you're living on this earth. It's crazy. If you just grab hold of that, it's crazy to think about it. God doesn't exist to make sure that I get the president that I want. Okay? God doesn't exist to make sure that I get the mayor that I want, or the city council member, or the local judge, whatever. God doesn't exist. He allows governments to exist to carry out his plan in this world. Good, good ones and bad ones, God's working it all out because he's sovereign to make his plans work. If Jesus or Paul, Peter, John, the apostles, if they had Facebook today, or if they're sitting in the marketplace, where that's where back in the day that was their Facebook, they all hung out in the marketplace, what would they be known for? Think about it. What would Paul be known for if he had a Facebook account? Let that one hang like the thick ear that we have here in the auditorium this morning. Which would, again, if you want things cooler, this AC is working. If you want things warmer, this side is not working currently, but we've got plans. It's, all the units are out in the garage, just need to be installed. Here's our danger, guys. We have, as Christians, spiritualized government and said that the government is the one who's supposed to legislate morality. And the reason why we do that is so that we feel good. Oh, finally, someone's doing something about... And then we can sit in our homes, and we can go to work, and we don't have to get into all the political arguments, and oh, we just get to be able to... Wow. I feel so much better. I, I, I just want to, I'm just going to confess something here, and please, you know, I, I don't usually teach politics, but I have to admit that when President Obama was out of the office and we had the opportunity to bring somebody else in, because of my moral standing as a person, I was hoping, let's get somebody in who kind of identifies with my moral standing. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think we can all be honest with that, right? But when... Obama, who didn't have the same moral standings on issues that I would have, it didn't change how I responded to my neighbors. It didn't change the way I responded to people I work with. Why? Because of the second point. Verses 8 through 10. The Christians, our focus is not to be on government it's not to be worshiping government. It's not to be focused on what, whatever they're doing. Here's where our focus is supposed to be. It says this, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor is, has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Those are parts of the official Mosaic Old Testament law. But we would all say that sounds good. It should be how we should live life, right? And if there's any other commandment, it is summed up by this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is a fulfillment of the law. Why does he jump from government right to that? I think part of it is because we have a focus on government too much, especially today. We focus too much 
on government and what government's doing. And we've, we're, because of that, we're seeing people through political eyes. We're seeing people through what their cultural desires are. And as soon as they're different than us politically, unfriend them, walking this way, thank you very much. I don't want to deal with their cultural issues. God's Word saying, love them. Because our, our eyes are not on this government, if I can put it this way. We're, in that sense, we're not citizens of this earth, right? Scripture says if you put your faith in Christ, you're a citizen of heaven. We're representing Christ here on this earth. So for us to go crazy when it comes to the government, get all worked up and emotional and you know angry, that filters down to how we respond to people. And Jesus didn't do that. Paul didn't do that. Peter, James, and John didn't do that. They were focused on people. They were loving people, caring about people. We're to obey man's law, but fulfill God's law. That make sense? So yes, we obey law. And when we obey man's law, and let's say we get to a point in our future, which is very possible, that they start prosecuting people who speak against cultural issues, like, for instance, in Canada, a pastor was fined $5,000 for speaking against homosexuality. Okay? Not, that could easily happen here. So let's just say that happens. I still teach what God's Word teaches. You still should be speaking what God's Word speaks. We say it gently, we say it lovingly. But if that causes us, if it causes me to be put in jail, now who's my audience? Who am I supposed to be loving? My jailmates, right? That's a change. Isn't that what happened to Paul? Philippians talks about Paul's in prison, right, or house arrest. And he says, I'm so excited because now the message of Jesus Christ is not just going out into the world, but it's actually going into the, the emperor's home. So the praetorian guard, the ones who used to, or the ones who, you know, were bodyguards of the Caesar, some of those guys were coming to Christ. Why? Paul's sitting in house arrest. There's a Roman guard hanging out at the house with him. Paul's like, hey, can I tell you something? Praetorian guard's like, whoa, that's pretty cool. I'm going to put my faith in Christ. Goes over to the other buddies, and now Caesar, who hates Christians, is being bodyguarded by Christians. Only God could do something to that, right? Jesus says in, in Matthew 5, 21 and 22, he says, You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. You know, he lists some relational sins that we have towards people. But if we think those things... Now let's check Facebook again. And I've been guilty of it. Okay? In fact, some of you who are friends with me on Facebook saw that I finally made a de determination. I'm not going to do this anymore because it's wrong. I've got friends that I know growing up. Just found out a guy I went to high school with this past week, 51 years old, hung himself. Now, I, I knew him in high school. I didn't know him very well. We weren't friends on Facebook, you know, that type of thing. But I have other friends from high school that are into the whole politics thing. One's a Christian and one's not, and they're going back and forth, back and forth. 
I don't want to be known for that. I want to be known as the guy who loves God and loves Jesus Christ. And just think about the fact that Satan loves that distraction. Satan can just sit back and, I don't have to worry about anybody going to heaven. If Christians are going to keep doing this, it's just a perfect ploy. And for us to get focused on government, you know, and again, we talked about this in Fool's Goal, we chase after a lot of things in life, but in the end, it's meaningless unless God is involved. Some of us chase after government. And we need to understand that we're going to obey government, but we're going to fulfill God's law. Why is that? Paul closes out. Oops. Reminder for me to give that to a police officer. Fell out of my Bible. So Paul ends with this, because here's the ultimate reason why we're not to be focusing on government. We're supposed to be focusing on individuals. We're not to be worried about people's political positions on things and their, their lifestyles and whatever they're doing. We're supposed to be focused on them in the sense of loving them, helping them, encouraging them, and if possible, have the opportunity to share Jesus Christ with them. Here's why. Verse 11. Do this, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. If it was nearer to Paul than when he first believed, think about it today. It's been 2,000 years, right? The night is almost gone. The day is here. Talking about Jesus Christ's return. Let us, therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Again, light representing who God is. Let us behave pro- properly as in the day, not carousing in drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and in jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Now, he goes kind of broad there, kind of, um, you know, more than government. But what he's, what he's ultimately saying there is, what are you known for? What, when people see you, what are they seeing? What, what, are, what are you passionate about? What, is, what are you living for? Jesus Christ and Paul would tell us that we need to wake up. We need to stop sleeping. We need to stop sitting here on Sundays and going, oh, that was a good sermon, or that was a terrible sermon, whatever the case. You know, we, need to, we need to wake up and realize, oh man, my whole life has changed when I put my faith in Jesus Christ. My whole purpose for getting up on Monday morning has changed. My whole reason for interacting with people has changed and has nothing to do with where I'm at politically, has nothing to do with where I'm at culturally or moralistically, has nothing to do with that, except that maybe all of that brings someone to the point of Christ, but we've got to do it right. All these sins that he talks about, this is selfish. You know, I, I want to draw things to myself. I want my life to have this, that, and the other thing. And, and again, I, I go up on Facebook, and uh, this might scare some of you guys, but I go up on Facebook, and I, I sometimes scroll through and just see how people are doing, what's going on. And I see people who are Christians on Facebook, and I wonder to myself, I don't see anything connected with God here. I see a lot of stuff connected with these things that he's talking about here. And again, I'm not saying that our lives, we do those things in order to gain God's love. God loves us. We do those things because we're no longer living for ourselves. And we need to realize that we are really 
messing up an opportunity if we don't see the people in our lives as people who are dying and going to hell who need Jesus Christ. And if we have that mindset, we'll respond to them in a very different way. We'll look for other ways to impact their lives. We'll, we'll even use maybe some cultural things and, and be able to use it to draw them into a conversation with Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ comes back, because that day is coming at some point in the future, and he asks, or he looks at your life, and Scripture tells us he'll see what's hay, straw, and stubble, you know, he, he kind of gives some things, and, and when he sees us, is, it gonna, is there going to be anything there that represents the gospel? We have people, in a sense, around us that we've impacted for the sake of the gospel. Or are we going to be known for other things? So it says, lay aside those deeds of darkness. Put aside what you're living for, what your passion is. In this case, talking about government. Put that aside. Love people. Can you imagine how much that would help the police officers, by the way? If we're not the ones that they're pulling over, if we're not the ones that they're, you know, if there's a neighborhood squabble going on and one person's a Christian and one's not, imagine if the Christian was just Okay, who cares if your tree is on my side of the yard? I'm not going to call the cops about that. Big deal is a tree. You know, that kind of thing. I watch Judge Judy too much, I'm sorry, but those things happen, okay? I'm telling you, it's out there. People cutting off trees, dropping it on other people's yards and letting it sit there. Yeah, but again, people get upset about those things. So let me challenge you as we close. Let me challenge you this morning to just, for you personally, Take time, maybe even this afternoon when you're sitting out in the not hot, nice hot sun, or you're in your air conditioning, prayerfully evaluate your view of politics, of government, the need for government, in your own heart. Evaluate that against what God's called you to do. Okay? Because we have a mandate, we are to share Christ, that's our, that's our responsibility. If the government eventually says, outlaws that, we still continue to do that. So a lot of people will be like, well, Harold, what about, what about it? We continue to do that, our audience will change. But we continue to do that. Then I just want to talk real quickly about Grace Point in relationship to all this. What are we going to be about as a church family? Coming back to our three values. Okay? The three eternal values, the three, three things that will last forever, God's Word. We're going to continue to teach God's Word. We're going to study it in our Bible studies, and I'm going to make sure that I'm providing opportunities to teach you how to study it. Okay? So like Thursday night Bible study, that's the best place to be right now for that. We'll have other times, but teaching you guys how to study the Bible for yourselves so that you can study it at home and read it with comprehension at home. We want to know the God who's loved us. We want to be able to represent him well to people when they have questions. Secondly, relationships. God has placed people in your life and in my life who need Christ. And so that's the primary relationship that we are developing. This is awesome. This is great. Relationships will happen as we grow. Relationships will continue to happen. There was some what we call shared um, pain yesterday as we were out in 
80, 90 degree weather, moving stone around. Some of us really connected well, saw each other at our worst, stunk pretty bad as some of us, I think. I know I was not very good. But our, our reason for existing is to see people come to Christ, and God has put you in a, in a sphere of influence, as I call it. People in your life who need Christ. And lastly, is for service. So it's God's word, relationships, and service. Each one of us who place our faith in Christ has been given at least one spiritual gift, Scripture says, and that gift is to be used within the church to serve each other, encourage each other, and help each other grow spiritually, help each other to move towards maturity in Christ. And then we work together to serve our community to see people come to Christ. We help you guys do that. You know, help each other do that. You know, for instance, we were doing the, the barbecues this summer, and a couple of families have offered to do that at their homes. We want to help that way. We, our offering, money that comes in, some of that's going to go towards help them take care of the food so it's not stressed, stressing them out to feed their neighbors. We can help them with that. All right, as we leave this morning, before I close, if you have a, a thank you card, grab one, find a police officer, hand it to them, okay? Some of you guys work at like a place that has security guards who also maybe double as a police officer. Just saying, making it easy on you. So grab that. I got mine. And then next week we're going to start a new series called Blueprint, and we're looking about how God wants the church designed and structured and set up so we can be the most effective in seeing people come to Christ and, and helping them grow in their faith. Let's go ahead and stand, and let me pray, and then we'll let you out into that heat. <laughs> Lord, we want to thank you again for this morning. We thank you for the clarity of your word, that as we just kind of read through it and we just kind of quickly broke it apart, boom, what a, what a um, maybe even convicting message that you have for us. And uh, Lord, forgive us for getting caught up in this world and, and what people think is important in this world, and then we kind of go along with that and we think it's important. Forgive us for that. Father, I just pray that you would develop in us a heart for people who need Christ. And we don't need to be some spiritual giant who knows, you know, a thousand verses of the Bible. We just need to know that we've been saved by Christ and have that intimate relationship with Him and just talk to people about Him. And to put aside the politics, put aside the moral stuff, just put it all aside for now because they're just doing what they're supposed to do and let you worry about how that looks on the other side of salvation, but help us, Lord, to bring the message of Jesus Christ to those who need it. We'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory in that, in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Enjoy the air conditioning out in the lobby, and we'll see you next week.